Hey, everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Today on the show, we are talking about a brand new movie. So spoilers will be discussed. And this is a big one for spoilers because we're talking about A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally came out more than a year after it was its original release date. Um, this is one of the first movies that was canceled last year, pulled from release. It was actually supposed to come out like within a week of, of Paramount pulling it. So we're finally getting it. This is John Krasinski's follow-up to A Quiet Place. Big, huge success. Um, we find Emily Blunt as the lead in this one with um, her kids played by Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe. Yes, that is the kid. Mm-hmm. And this time, Killian Murphy added to the cast. Love a good oh. Killian Murphy appearance. Um, this movie picks up not too long after the end of the first movie, which you can watch our review of if you haven't already, or listen to the podcast. Um, go check that out. So let's just get started. Um, first, right. movie, first, this is not the first movie back in theaters, but it is the first um, big blockbuster sequel. This is surely going to be a smash type movie. Um, yeah. come out. So what did everybody think? Um of a quiet place part two who wants to go first i loved it andrew loved it yeah oh, i loved me. it <laughs> i i i thought i thought the when the movie was over i'm like this is how a sequel is supposed to be like it 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 doesn't necessarily rival it but it doesn't bring it any down it doesn't bring it down any further the thrills are still there the suspense is still there. It still has a great lead up. The writing is still good. The direction is really good. Mm-hmm. It felt like the enti- I felt like this entire movie was like the five minutes in in Jurassic Park when the Velop- when the Velociraptors are in the kitchen. I felt like the entire movie was that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's what I loved about this entire movie. I felt on edge the entire time. I love this movie. So far, I'm really liking this franchise. Agreed. Oh yeah, go go for it, David. Oh, I was just saying. I was just yeah. Agreed. Um, You know, there's two ways you can go about a sequel. We've talked about many sequels. Uh, Well, it's not two ways. There's a lot of ways, but the main two are: if you're gonna do a sequel like this, you jump a decent amount ahead in time so that things are a little different now, or you can just do pick up right where the last one left off. And this is one of those movies where they pick up right where the last one left off. And everything about it to me feels like a natural extension of the first movie. It's yes. like you that movie, the first movie ends and you go, well, what's next. And this movie is like, feels ex- like exactly like what would come next. Like there's nothing feels forced. It doesn't feel weird. There's a different dynamic in terms of the story. Whereas the first one had a bit more of a family feel of like a coming of age survival type story this one had a bit more of an adventurous side to it a bit more of like a traditional hero's journey and uh, i think that was a really uh, good way to go with it as to not be too repetitive and uh yeah it was uh thrills were there terrifying at times um genuinely uh, shocked my uh, 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 got swooped um and yeah so i um, thoroughly enjoyed it and uh couldn't recommend it higher yeah, I agree. It's a good extension of the original. 
Um, <clears throat> for me, it was also, it was a different type of scary. There were more moments where I was like, oh my God, just because I was like, you're making a bad decision. Something bad is going to happen. Whereas the first one, I felt like it was more, oh my God, that thing is going to come get you. And we don't know when and where, and it was more creature. And I was more tense about what they were doing because they knew how to handle themselves, but they still had to contend with everything. So for me, it was, and you add that element of that adventure aspect into it. And so it wasn't as like creaturey, scary to me. It was more like tension for me throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really good extension. It moved the story forward like a good sequel should. Um, it didn't take the route of what a, a regular horror movie could have done. You throw it in that same vein of it just becomes a kill fest. And these monsters are just, you know, uh, all over the place. But um, it, it really was a good extension of the first one. Scary. Well done. Yep. Um, I agree with most of these statements. Uh it's very tense. Um, it's very, it's still very character focused, which is great. We get to meet some new characters this time. Um, one big one in particular played by Killian Murphy, who is introduced through flashbacks and then brought back into the movie's present day in a really interesting way, which uh, Krasinski really leads you on a bit of a journey with him. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a big theme of trust in the movie that I like a lot. Everybody for the most part has to put trust in someone and mm -hmm. there's always a very strong doubt about it, but they go through with it anyway. You know, Emily Blunt's character is now trusted with, she has to take care of the family on her own. She doesn't have uh, Lee anymore. The kids have to step up and be trusted with more responsibilities. Um, what's the son's name? I always, I forgot. Marcus. Marcus. Marcus, you're right. Yes. Marcus yeah. is trusted with, with the baby at one point. Reagan kind of takes things into her own hands and puts trust, the trust on her back to, um, essentially save her family and potentially stop these creatures. And then everybody has to trust Killian Murphy's character of Emmett, who is very suspicious of other people for obvious reasons. So I, I like that new, new aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like you, Josh, like you said there, or, um, I think it was Josh, maybe Garrett, um, it could have been a kid like the dynamic changes a lot because whereas in that first movie, they were kind of like located in one real place mm, and it was yeah, like yeah. trying to keep the bad things out. Right now they're kind of out in the open. Like, so um, to walk the, the audience through the story a little bit, the that the family can't stay at the farm anymore. Like all their stuff is burning down. They like they're, they just can't stay. So they venture out and they go further away than they've ever gone before seeking other survivors and so like now you're having to like move and, and, and you're encountering things you, you have to stay ever vigilant. So that aspect of trust and, and finding other survivors and can we trust them? That becomes a big part of it. And we find that there are people that we can trust and there are people we definitely can't trust, um, which 
Um, I didn't really, I didn't really see coming, uh, even though they kind of warned us and I just didn't think about it. And I just didn't remember it until it was happening. Um, well, we see kind of what this, uh, invasion for lack of a better word of these, of these creatures has done to society and le- at least in this part of the United States. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And I really uh, think that they explored uh, a really, um, interesting way of going about it but enough can't be said as well about krasinski's directorial style of he just does such a great job of foreshadowing and uh giving you of setting tension it's just that was one of the bigger takeaways for me yeah another thing that kind of you just made me think of that i didn't even think of before in the last movie or this one was in this movie we finally learned where exactly it's set, which is in Connecticut. Um, I don't actually know if the town is real, but it's in Connecticut. And what I loved about that is so often alien invasion movies are in big cities. Mm-hmm. And through the flashbacks, we see that they are from an obviously very small town where everybody seems to know each other pretty well. They go, they attend a, a, a like a little league baseball game and are chatting with each other and, Everybody, it's like the whole town went. Everybody is walking to their cars and everything. Uh-huh. So it was really cool to see that <clears throat> that perspective of an alien invasion hitting, hitting a small town instead of you know the traditional route of s- spaceships crashing through New York City and everything. Because it it felt almost like more foreboding seeing that meteor type spaceship thing coming through the sky with the with the baseball game in the foreground mm. it almost made it feel more real i thought so i, I like i uh, just to kind of add a little bit more to that what i like about that in the suspense aspect of it is that we don't get like we don't get action but we get we what we get is tension and the thing is is that like you don't know what's coming like i like the the closest thing i can think of is cloverfield like in cloverfield we don't know what the monster is. We know it's from outer space. At least we think we do. And then what happens is, is that it smashes into a bunch of buildings and it's causing, re- it's, it's causing havoc like that. But like this right here, especially within the first 10 minutes, sets it up very exquisitely. And it sets it up exquisitely to the point where you're just like, well, now you really don't know what's going to happen. And that's what I loved about it the most. I really enjoyed the origin story that they gave you because <clears throat> they gave you enough just to be intrigued. Like, yep. I don't need to know the backstory of these creatures or anything deeper beyond they're here now. Um, yep. But what I am interested in is how does it start? And that's essentially what they give you out the gate. And, and I think it's a really interesting way to do it because it is a flashback. And so we, as the audience, theoretically, if we have seen the first one, know how these creatures operate and how they work. And so you have all these people running in terror, just screaming and freaking out. And we, as the audience are like, Oh my God, just shut up. But they can't because they don't know that's a normal reaction. And, and really, that first few minutes, nothing really happens. We're just kind of sitting there waiting for it to happen until it finally does. And so 
that is a good way to do it enough of an origin story because the smart thing that these movies also do is that it's not about the creature. It is about the character. And so I care about these people. I want to know how it starts for them and how they operate. I don't care about the creatures other than they're there, but you have given me a reason to invest in the family. So seeing how this starts is incredibly interesting, knowing what tragedy they went through in the first place. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I don't know if there's a word for, uh, for foreshadowing something that's already happened because, you know, as you see in the trailer, we get a, 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 a tracking shot that ends pa- going past the, the spaceship uh, toy. And I was like, I was like, Oh man, you're foreshadowing to an event that we already know happened. Oh, it's, it's a callback. So I, I guess that's more what it is, but it, it just, um, the way that it the way that it played was 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 kind of a traditional way you would set something up like that but also just it, you know going through day 1 i think was really fascinating like you said a, a lot of movies i think would have had you know a screaming asteroid come in it comes in super fast it hits and then like immediately you know, everybody gathers around or the, you know the police gather around they're looking at it and thing pops out and nah. we don't get that we see the thing it's going down somewhere in the distance everybody's like you know let's all go home. This doesn't seem like a good thing. Let's just go. And as they're sort of making their way home, you know, or, or getting, you know, things taken care of just suddenly out of nowhere with no warning, boom, uh, instant attack. And it's, it's chaotic and it's, it's unpredictable. And you, um, you, you as the audience, you can't help, I think, but be drawn into that sense of panic all of a sudden of like, uh, things just don't seem, you have no idea what's about to happen. And you don't know, you know, other than, you know, you know, the family from the first movie is going to survive, but you don't know anything else that's going to happen in that opening sequence. Um, there's such a great background stuff going on. You know, there's the, there's the moment where, um, Emily Blunt's character, this was in the first trailer. I think they are, they, they, they're about to be hit by, hit by a bus that's coming forward and, and she throws it in reverse. And as she's backing up and looking behind her, you see the creature's claw come out of the front of the bus and shows that, you know, she's not seeing it, but you're seeing it. And, and even, even knowing that Emily Blunt's characters in the, in the, in, you know, moves fastest, you're still like, it's, it's there. Um, yeah. So, um, and he does, and Krasinski has these great establishing shots of establishing a location so that you will, when it comes back, you will definitely recognize what you're looking at. There were several shots of a, a water spigot at the, you know, what, when they moved on to um, Killian Murphy's location, they would hover on it once or twice every few minutes. And then eventually the water spigot comes into play what its use is. Um, and so like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. So good. The characters are great. The acting is great. Um, I really love the kids are um, surprisingly good um, where, you know, a lot of times kids are kind of overlooked in movies like this. These two child actors did a really great job. Yes. I agree. Um, one thing I have to say, I have to give props to is Cian, is it Cian Murphy? How do you pronounce his name? Killian. I think it's Killian. Killian. Okay. Killian okay. uh, Murphy. I, I had... I had it completely wrong throughout this entire movie because in the trailer and kind of how the build, how the buildup in the trailer was, was like, 
for me anyway, I, I want to say that like they're building him up to be a villain. And like anytime you see a new star in a, in a franchise, some, something like this, more often than not, they're villains. And the thing about this is, is that he takes over the protagonist role. And that's, and that, that's what I like about this is, is that in the last one, in the last one, our main protagonist dies. And then our new protagonist, our new protagonist uh, is, assumes the role of, assumes the role of like caretaker. And yeah, you're right. We've been talking about character building. I think his, I think his character was one of the better built ones. Granted, there's only so many characters in this movie, but I really loved, I really thought he stood out uh, the most. I agree. You can tell that he really um, had good reason not to trust people um, overall. And he had his own fears after losing his uh, wife and child. Because there's a whole, you know, kind of blow up with Emily Blunt about why didn't you come for us when Mm -hmm. you knew that that was Lee lighting the fire and, you know, he just couldn't do it. Right. And then he has to, I think his guilt, a little bit of his guilt and a little bit of his missing his son makes him go after Reagan and help her finish her goal and she helps him by you know explaining that you know you can do something this time you can you couldn't before but now you can and they're also you're right Andrew there was a lot of um I felt there was a lot of misdirects to make you question his intentions and um they kept that going pretty strongly up until the end you know it wasn't until and I'll and I'll give another spoiler warning. Another a spoiler. Uh, it wasn't until Emmett and Reagan are at the boat dock, and they are momentarily captured. That is when I was fully convinced he was a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't until then because even at the beginning of that, I was like, oh, he set her up, and he told the freaks that they were going to be there, but. No, he came through. Good yeah, guy. You know, like why else would he have disappeared? Exactly. You know, earlier yeah. and like forever for a while that while in the movie. He, he was fun to follow for that reason. Um, you know, you gotta feel bad for uh the people, the freaks. I don't know what else to call them. That the boat dock. You know, they uh. I just call them the they've been people. they've been struggling, man. I'd say well, you we thought that the we thought that the uh, the, the Abbots, I think that's their name, the Abbott family, was uh living. Living, you know, day to day. These people, these people are, are 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 turning on other people. That's how bad they got it off. Uh, okay. And then, and then, uh, uh, what's her name? Reagan and and uh, Killian Murphy's character. They come in and they just go, "Yeah, I'll just make as much noise as possible and get the heck out of here." Right. Um, you know what's funny too? I want to talk about the um, the island of safety um, and how that gets messed up. Because when so in there in the movie, uh, one of the creatures as Killian Murphy's character, whose name I forget, and Emmett, Emmett as Emmett and Reagan are getting away on their own boat, a uh, 
I, I don't know what the, the creatures have no name, so I'm right. just going to call them the quiet ones. Uh, as the the quiet ones uh, 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 try to swim after him, can't swim. Uh oh, can't swim. But one of them gets stuck on like a police boat that Emmett had released because uh, they were going to use that. And there was a shot as you see Emmett and Reagan going towards the island of that quiet monster still on his boat, like trying to like stay stay still. And I was like, boy, what a great setup for another movie is that that one just like drifts away to like another place where there aren't any. And then like he gets loose and that's your setup for the third movie. But boy, I was thinking too long term because that would uh, happen within mere minutes, mere like 20, 30 minutes later. Uh-oh. Another thing I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect there to be an island full of people who are just no. living life. No, and I didn't, going on. I didn't think a, a solution would be as simple as they can't swim. Yeah. Um, that's a really interesting dynamic. And I wanted to go back for just a second to, to point out how I thought it was really cool that, you know, the, the monsters, the creatures have been created as the monster of this universe. But this movie also introduces humanity as another monster to avoid. So it's like the the family learns that they are not entirely safe around humans any more than they are around the creatures, mm. um, which is upsetting. But the I have a lot of questions about the island thing, because as soon as you introduce an aspect like that. There's so many other tentacles that can unwind like, OK, have these aliens landed on other continents? Or are they basically stuck in um, the whole continental stretch of North America and South America? Are they also well, on we, in Africa? Well, Asia? I believe, I believe as, as far as we know, they're at least in, yeah, the North America, maybe down, they could travel as far down as South America region. But the movie opens with, the with with uh, lee and the the shop owner are seeing a news broadcast and i'm pretty sure that at the bottom it said something landed in shanghai so yeah. we could we could draw that at the very least maybe See, that's the kind of thing China, i need to Asia. watch it again to catch those kind of things because mm -hmm. um, like what if what if this all leads to like australia being the promised land yeah if there's none in I mean, japan there's none there right the only thing that i took a little question with and this is where one of those tentacles comes from david i think is that in the first one if you remember when the room is flooded with emily blunt and the baby hmm. there is a monster that is swimming around in the in the water now i don't know how deep the water is i don't know if he's just like walking well, around if it's like deep enough to just like cover his head and he can walk around yeah. but theoretically it's in the first one one of them creatures did swim well if you remember, though, Emily Blunt's in the water with them and she's standing and she's at her. It's only at her like her waist. True. So it's probably deep enough that he can put his head under and like look around. And and so but they can't swim in like open water, like open yeah. ocean water. And it's possible that it like it's not that they can't swim and they just immediately drown. They might just only be able to kick back Make to like shallow water. water. Yeah. They just can't get out in the deep um, with Adele. That was just a small question that I had. It was not a, like a bad deterrent or anything, but, but no, but it's a good, but, but it was something I thought of because as it was happening, I thought, Oh, but I remember in that scene, she was, you know, it was, it was waiting in the water, but then this movie kind of answers that without telling you, you know, it shows you rather than tells you, Oh, they can't get so far out. Um, so I, yeah. I know that we had already seen um, the freaks before 
they got to the island. But did anyone else also at the island, you know, when they're first getting there and they're sitting around the fire and everyone's just chatting, eating, was anyone else having an anxiety attack and thinking this is lost and they are the others and you cannot trust them and they are going to eat you and yeah. it's way too was, happy and pleasant to be real. Yeah, I was, uh, I was really ready yeah, for them to turn on them. Yeah. Yes. I was like, no, these people are too peaceful. I don't buy it. And, but I was happy my, that they were nice. The, the thing is, is that like being on that Island for a whole year and who knows how many people, you know, they would have had to have run out of food at some point in time. It must be big enough for them to farm and stuff because yeah, I mean, like yeah. they, they must have just enough, you know, and that's the thing is fairly a, big on the map that the, that she had. That's the thing is that these both of these movies, this movie carries it on, don't give you all the answers, but it all but it doesn't necessarily make you it doesn't make it it doesn't make it um it's not unrealistic though. Yeah. It's possible that, you know, for several days you know, they would send out search parties. They have boats. They'd send out a search party to go back to the mainland, see if they could find anybody. And maybe some of those boats Denver came back. Maybe sometimes they did come back and they bring a new person. Maybe, you know, well, maybe and they'd it, go back and they wouldn't find anybody. And it's like, well, we tried. And so we tried that for about, you know, a couple months, but we kept, we stopped finding people. Anything the guy they talked to, uh, the mayor, I will call him the mayor of the island. Um, he explained that there were like 12 boats available and people just turned into animals and started screaming and yelling. And then the creatures came. And I think he only said the one boat made it back, maybe two. One or two. I think he said two boats out of and 12 made it. So people are their own worst enemy once again. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a crazy scenario to be in. Like nobody make noise while we load everybody onto boats. It's, you know, and you're like thinking about children and babies, you know, that are going to get upset. So, yeah, it's a lot. But it's again, I don't think it could be said how good. I think this is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Yeah, it's a high it's a high ranker for me, too. How about that cliffhanger ending? Yeah. Yeah. Let's. So um, this movie definitely ends without the status quo being resolved. You know, a lot of times movies, big action movies, they end in a place where it's like, and they're all happily ever after, you know, or the the enemy has been defeated and here's the gang all back together for one last, you know, joke before the movie ends, you know, something like that. But this movie ends with the family still separated. Yeah. Um, Like even though, you know, the day has been won to an extent and a big, tide has been turned as far as fighting the creatures like reagan's still you know on the island away from her her family uh her her brother and her mom and her other brother are still underground with more creatures nearby um it's 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 not a tidy ending even though it is kind of in my opinion a very inspirational one it um, is a very uplifting ending i agree because there's something metaphor i mean and metaphorical definitely but there's just something about two kids sort of backing down the monsters that have ruled their life that you can't help but just um feel in a really cathartic way as both um reagan and marcus sort of uh defeat the things that have 
haunted their nightmares. You know, it's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It was really cool to see them step up and do that. I also want to talk about what a great mom Emily Blunt is. Uh, yes. With, and how she is able to cater her mothering depending on what the kid needs. Like Reagan's really independent and very strong willed and doesn't need as much as her brother, who is a very panicky concerned. Um, he doesn't think he can take care of the kid. He's very worried all the time, but somehow she, but even throughout all of this, she's got so much going on that she's trying to do. And every time she's able to calm herself in order to calm her son, to give him the, the vote of confidence that he needs in order to get his job done. If it were me, I'd be in this panic haze and just like punch a kid in the face and be like, you just got to do it. We're all unhappy right now. That's how I would be in that particular situation. So <laughs> I just really commend her. She's, she did a wonderful job and has throughout this whole thing. I mean, like it is, it is great parenting to be able to just like slow yourself down in this panic situation and make sure that this kid is okay while you have this incredible dangerous thing going on over here that you also have to take care of. Yeah, so and you can blow the head off a monster or like comfort her child all at the same time. Great yeah. mothering. Yes. Definitely, definitely. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, um, any final thoughts on a quiet place part 2 before we move on? Go see it. Uh the yeah, the uh, endorsement. Go see it. Be ready. It, to hyperventilate at one point yeah it, there, it will there. be out it, it will come to paramount plus um relatively quickly if you're interested in doing that however we are big advocates of the theater experience here and yeah. a quiet place is worth it for the sound alone that's that's what i was going to say like th there's there are reasons why i go to the movies and this is definitely one of them and i knew Yes, I knew the movie theater experience was back because I was sitting in my chair and the guy in front of me had his phone on for half the movie. So I know <laughs> I was like, I'm back, baby. I'm back. Nature is healing, as they say. Nature is healing. So speaking of being I back the at the theater, the movie, <laughs> tell us about this massive record-breaking box office haul for its first it weekend. Is it may not sound like as record-breaking as past records, but when you consider the pandemic we've been in for the past year, Quiet Place had a massive opening weekend. Uh, Three-day opening weekend for May 28th, Quiet Place opened number one with $47.5 million. In the number two spot, you had Cruella with 21.4, which uh, we'll be reviewing Cruella soon enough. Uh, at number three, and this has got to be mentioned too, uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, up 40% from the last week, brings in $2.3 million. Uh, that means uh, that Ryan the Last Dragon has been in the top five for the last 13 weeks. Wow, good for it. Very cool. impressive. When you also consider that it's VOD on Disney+. Plus, you know, So um, Ryan the Last Dragon continues to hold on. At this point, it might have been smarter for him to just wait and put that out in June. Uh, at number four, you can see our review of this. Spiral dropped from the number one spot to the number four spot, bringing in $2.2 million. Ooh. At number five, Jason Statham's Wrath of Man. Uh, I don't do a good Jason Statham, but uh, there you go. Uh, if you extend that to its four-day weekend, Quiet Place Part Two brought in $57 million. So in four days, it's now the second best movie of the year. Wow. And it's the third best movie of the pandemic behind only Godzilla versus Kong and Tenet, which only which has brought in 58 million to date. Uh, the numbers are mostly the same after that. Uh, Cruella brought in 26 million for this four day. Raya 
brought in another 500,000 wrath of man brought in another couple hundred thousand and spiral brought in a couple hundred thousand. So for the most part, the numbers are the same or the, the placement is the same, but the numbers are bigger. Quiet place part two, 57 point, uh, well, 57 flat opening four day weekend. Great. Um, it, the thing is as people see that number, people get more confident. I think the number is going to be better next week. Not I mean, not, well, not better, but better than average next week. Most movies have about a 50% drop in their second weekend. I think we're looking at like a 30% drop. Like I think it's going to do really well and there's not a lot of new competition coming out other than I think the conjuring three is coming. And this out. one weekend almost oh. covers the entire $61 million budget. Yes, it does. Like the movie basically opened almost as well as the first quiet place, which had, you know, everything going for it. Um, so really great weekend. And, um, you know, for the year, like I said, it's in the number two spot. Now the, the top five for the year are Godzilla versus Kong, a quiet place Two, Ryan, the last dragon, Tom and Jerry and demon slayer Mujin train. So, uh, quiet place Two very likely to eventually, uh, pass Godzilla versus Kong. Um, but we'll see. Now, again, those are domestic numbers. I don't, I, I'll, I can read the international numbers some other time, but we got the letterbox game to play and Garrett won our last game. So Garrett, you're ready. I'm ready. What do you got boys? Who wants to start? Ooh. 3.8. 3.8 for Josh. Three. Yes. I'm going to go 3.8. I'm going to go 3.6. 3.6 for Drew. Well, I'm going to aim a little higher, and I'm going to say 4.1. 4.1 for David. Well, some of you are close. One of you is right. The winner of today's game is Josh with a 3.8. Oh, shoot. Suck on well, that. for the year, that puts Josh and Garrett tied in the, in the lead at five apiece. Finally clawing my way back from the brink. It's been a pretty competitive game for everybody but Andrew. Andrew uh, is uh, so it's it's Garrett and Josh have won five letterbox games this year. I've won four. Andrew has won two. Oh my gosh! Andrew on, has not had a letterbox win since Nomadland. Step it up. Hey, I'm trying. Try harder. <laughs> what do we want to do? What happens? Give it ourselves? Andrew's trying to undercut us. Yeah, and, or overcut us. Yeah, and then it ends up being on the other end. He's just guessing the wrong side each time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What are our What are our individual rankings of this movie? Five. You know, I'm going to give five. it. I'm going to give it a four and a half. We got a five and a four and a half. We're starting. We're starting high. Josh, what are you going to do? Um. You know, I've thought about this quite a bit. I mean, not really. <sighs> so. I already, I already wrote my letterbox review and I gave it a four and a half there. However, throughout the conversation, I feel more inclined to make it a little higher. And as much as I wish I could do like 4.75 or something, um, I think I will bump it up to a five because of how well executed it is for a sequel. It is not common for a sequel to be as good as this one is, I think, and especially for what is, you know, generically considered a horror movie. So. Five for me as well. Nice. I will go with a four and a half. Mm. Perfect. Nice. Perfectly balanced, right? As all things, as should, all things should be. As Thanos would say. 
So that is a 4.75 from the group of us, which is what I wanted to give it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it will round up to a five. Or a little uh, better than the box score is what that means. This is damn it's near true. perfect. I, yeah. I think so. I mean, I really like it a lot. I think it. Yeah. I think I enjoy it just as much as the first one. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy it any less than the first one. I think no, that's, that's what for I like sure. That's for sure. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us this week. Find us online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, and wherever else social media exists. So many sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app and watch the video version on YouTube. Search so many sequels there and subscribe everywhere. Bye. Yep. Yeah.